we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Gratuitous Sex and Violence, the show where we watch movies and then slap shot stuff like sex and violence and nudity and deaths and killings and body parts and everything that makes movies amazing. Um, my name is Orlando. I'm joined by my regular guest, co-host, and roommate, Ned. Say hi, Ned. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. I'm ready. How are you doing? How's it going? Oh, you know what? I am, uh, I'm, I'm thirsting for justice. I'm ready for some justice to be delivered. Justice. Yeah. In the form of the muscles from Brussels, because tonight... Ladies and gentlemen, we are watching Sudden Death! <laughs> it's not a really convincing crowd noise at all, no. Hey, maybe it'll work for the audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, give, give it a little post-production magic. Sudden Death, of course, is the 1995 American action thriller. 95? Directed by Peter Hyams and starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Powers Booth and Dorian Harewood. Have you ever seen this movie, Ned? I have not, no. Uh, Are you I'm... familiar with John Claude Van Damme's body of work? <laughs> A very choice uh, description there. Uh, I, uh, I I am aware of his existence mm -hmm. and that he is a, a prolific action star. Mm -hmm. uh, but Well, once upon a time he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have not ever really watched any of his, like, proper films from his heyday. I did see whichever Expendables film it was that he was the bad mm -hmm, guy in. Right. But, um, but other than that, I'm still relatively uninitiated with his work, as has so far been pretty typically the case on this podcast. <laughs> uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, his movies are definitely, like, guilty pleasures, I would say. You really have to tap into that, like, that 8 to 10-year-old kid in your brain to really enjoy them. And they are quite enjoyable. Yeah, well, and, and because this is, this, uh, the, the impression I get is that this definitely hails from, like, an era that's very much, like, action star driven that right. like that like all of these action films were pretty much just vehicles for a certain type of big muscular sort of uh, stoic kind of character yeah type. although i will say that van damme kind of moves away a little bit from that because so like the big action stars of the era of the 80s and 90s i can think of off the top of my head are arnold schwarzenegger sylvester stallone then we got steven seagal and and john claude van damme those are like the big the, four the big four okay uh and whereas like a, you know stallone and and schwarzenegger definitely have that larger than life stoicism to them uh van damme I'm not even going to talk about Seagal because Seagal's movies just fucking suck. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, it's, they're tough. They're, they're very tough. But uh, to... Van Damme um, is at least in, in a lot of ways tries to embody like an everyman type of quality to his films. Yeah. 
And this one is an interesting entry because, uh, and I guess to initiate you, this is an interesting one as well because he's known as this, you know, martial arts guy, lots of like karate or kung fu or whatever it is that he practices, I'm not sure. Um, but in this movie particularly, there's not a lot of that. Okay. Uh, he, he refrains from being full-on martial arts Van Damme. This movie is more in the in in the spirit of the die hard in a blank or die hard on a blank type movies. Okay, cool. So it's mm-hmm. like he he is a person who finds himself swept up in, right. in a crazy situation. Exactly. So the fun of the movie is sort of seeing how he adapts exactly. that situation. Okay, cool. Like, and, I'm, I'm into that. And and yeah. whereas like if, if I were to say like which one is the best die hard imitator, it would be speed hands down. This one would be maybe like second or third on that list. Okay, that's so cool. that's good. Uh, I, it's the kind of movie like when it first came out, it wasn't a huge success. Uh, it, it got mixed reviews, and also it, it didn't do very well at the box office. Uh, it it kind of was like at the downturn of Van Damme's um, career, actually, yeah. uh, in the mid to late '90s. Uh, but now looking back, people uh, recognize this as one of his better movies. All right. So I'm excited to delve into it. There's a lot of schlockiness in this movie. I'm excited to see it. Are you excited to join us in the penalty box and watch Sudden Death, Ned? Oh, uh, I must be. (laughs) And for those of you at home who want to play along, uh, (laughs) 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 this movie is available to stream on Stars or on Amazon if you have the Stars uh, package add-on to it. And we will be watching it on Stars tonight. Uh, We're going to watch this movie, then we'll be right back and we'll play some trivia and have some discussion so we'll see y'all on the other side i hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence you guys always bring me the very best violence no relationship no emotion just Just watched Sudden Death. Yeah. What did you think? What are your first reactions? First reactions. Okay. So you had, uh, uh, it kind of introduced this film as sort of a, you know, part of the ongoing tradition of Die Hard in a blank. Right. Um, so, so I'm just gonna have my notes here. <laughs> Die Hard? More like Try Hard. It, uh, it's, it's interesting. I found myself kind of disappointed by this movie because I think there were a lot of pieces that they put in place that actually had a lot of potential hmm. um, to really make for like an interesting sort of action thriller setup. Mm-hmm. The problem is that the movie seemed so insistent to really just kind of nail that diehard structure mm-hmm. that it didn't really flesh out any of those interesting elements. Like, I think the idea of having your hero be a fire marshal is actually pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, an interesting choice of every man for this particular situation because he has structural knowledge. Right. He has an understanding of, you know, where the bombs might be. Yeah. Um, but also he is, you know, 
a fire marshal. Mm-hmm. He doesn't necessarily know how to fight. So, like, it looks pretty fucking ridiculous that, like, he happens to have a machete in his hand by the time he's <laughs> face-to-face with his first bad guy and has no problem just going fucking swinging and having these really clean kicks and all that stuff mm-hmm. um, because it's Jean-Claude Van Damme. The movie clearly assumes that the audience knows exactly who Jean-Claude right. Van Damme is, yeah. which, you know, it's sucks. You're getting, you're getting a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Yeah, it is It is very clear that it is so much a vehicle for Jean-Claude Van Damme that, like, you know, you have this hero character who obviously went through something very traumatic, mm-hmm. which is why he no longer, like, you know, goes into burning buildings. Um, but, like, the movie really doesn't do that good of a job of, like, sort of, you know... It doesn't confront his fear, really. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't He's really good ever, to go. Yeah, exactly. He's like good to go. It it never really takes time to really sort of let us, you know, sit with the fact that right. he is somebody who is hesitant about leaping into action, and that's what the film kind of has to be about. It has to be about him sort of willing to be a hero again. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, like I said, like I said at the beginning of of the episode, this movie compared to other. Van Damme movies have has a lot less of that martial arts like you were saying the clean kicks and stuff like this one actually is very restrained this one's more of a brawler type movie yeah Uh, and it's amazing that even in that scenario it's just like we remarked when we were watching the movie it's literally Jean-Claude Van Damme extreme athleticism it's just impossible to ignore. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and and I mean, look, it it definitely it's an asset when it comes to like the mechanics of the fights themselves. Right. Like mm-hmm. you know, it it makes for good fight scenes. Um, but, but it does stretch the uh, belief. Yeah, the pl- like, yeah, the plausibility though of of the core idea right. of the story definitely kind of gets left behind I in mean, favor of just like giving us this sort of superhero. Like guy. I mentioned also at the beginning, you you kind of have to turn off like your logic center in your brain <laughs> and you really have to watch this with the mind of a 10 year old kid there's a lot of wish fulfillment in this movie and oh it's, my God. it's very ridiculous and over the top but if you really tap into like that childlike <laughs> imagination this movie is a lot of fucking fun yeah it's ridiculous absolutely. but it's a blast absolutely absolutely <laughs> I'll, I'll tell i'll tell you i'll tell you what was a lot of fun was uh fucking powers booth powers uh, booth first of all what a name right but also like yeah he fucking he stole the show like mm-hmm. he he uh, as far as as far as living up to all the promise of you know having a big bad in the movie that's like just as incredible and charismatic as alan rickman's uh term as Hans Gruber which is in the a original, tall order. which is very hard to live up to. Um, Powers Booth certainly he contends. He he's boxing at the same weight. I would say I'm not necessarily going to mm-hmm. say that he topped Alan Rickman, but he certainly he was certainly boxing at the same weight. I've never seen Powers Booth be anything but great. And yeah, movies. he's an incredible actor. So um, um, that, that they, shouldn't be a surprise. But like, right. it, but but it was great that like he has such a prominent role in this movie, and and he really does just capitalize on every month. That An he's interesting on thing about that role, uh, so he he plays Joshua Foss. That's the name of the character, but that name is never mentioned in the movie. You only you would only know yeah. that if you looked at any of the credits. His name is never mentioned in the movie itself. Yeah. James Woods was originally set to play Mr. Foss, um, 
but he thought that the part, after reading the script, he thought that the movie was really silly, so he decided not to do it. I mean, it does, like, I can see people reading the script and being like, no, this is a bad movie. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Uh, another interesting thing is, like, so so the Foss character, Powers Booth, he holds up the U.S. vice president hostage, and 12 years later, he actually plays the U.S. vice president, um, which is, uh, and also later on becomes president, which is uh, President Noah Daniels you know, on the sixth season of the Fox TV series 24. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I pro- Oh, my God. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Completely forgot yeah. he was in 24. I, I semi-recently did a 24 binge, and uh, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I had such a blast watching it. That's another great show. Lots yeah. of gratuitous sex and violence. Yes, yeah. Def- <laughs> definitely gratuitous violence and, and gratuitous torture. Because right. I think, you know, that is the truest expression of Jack Bauer's sexuality. It's just uh, his, just his, torture his willingness to, uh, to torture for America. So. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk more about this movie in a second. Right now, we're going to play some sudden death trivia. Indeed, indeed. So in this, that means if I fuck one up, then you're dead. Yeah, then I'm dead. Suddenly dead. Yeah, and I fall fall through a fucking scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Are you? Do you feel confident about this one? I think uh, I don't know. I I feel like uh, <laughs> you know you know. Look, it, it is what it is. <laughs> Look, let's just do this. Let's just right, fucking let's just do get this. it over it. <laughs> All right, here comes question number one. Now, as usual, this quiz is five questions plus a bonus, and the questions are in a gradient. They're graded from least difficult to most difficult. Yeah. So there's there is something I'm hoping will be the bonus question. I don't know if it's actually going to be the bonus question. We'll uh, see. So, so we'll see. We'll I'll let you know what it is. We shall see. That's another. That's a. That's the uh, meta trivia. Is that I get the bonus question that you thought was going to be the yeah, bonus yeah. question? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not necessarily sure. I, I'm not necessarily sure. I think this is going to be the bonus question, but this is what I'm hoping. You're hoping. Okay. Right, so here comes question number one. All right. What does little Tyler McCord smuggle into the game? He smuggles a uh, a little sort of a super soaker. Yeah, I mean not super actually soaker, a super soaker, yeah. but you know, a little water gun. like a water gun. Yep. He does. He does. Uh, and we can talk a little bit about. That character, Tyler, who stays in his seat the entire time. Yeah, stays in his seat. Yeah, honestly, uh, not not the worst choice because um, <laughs> he's a little fucking shithead. He is a shithead. Um, but he's it, such. A, he's so shitty to his his little sister. Which, like, look, right? I, I have mean, a brother and sister. Well, yeah, though. I have a younger sister. I was definitely awful to her at times during mm-hmm. her childhood. So, like. Yes, that's realistic, but like... I mean, she couldn't decide between Coke and Sprite. Obviously, she des- she deserved to be soaked. <laughs> nah, man. Nah, man. Nah, man. That's too far. That's too far. I'll tell you what. Uh, little... Uh, what, what was the daughter's name? Emily. Uh, Emily. Emily McCord w- It was a fucking treasure. She believed in her dad. She stood up to... She stood up to Powers Booth, which yeah. I'll tell you what. She stood up to Powers Booth more than I fucking would have. Right. I would have yeah. I I mean, just been wetting I myself. I would have I'd be like, just kill myself. Yeah, just no, kill just me right just now. Just kill me. Like, literally, just... I'm, I'm, I can't. I can't do this. I, yeah. So. But, yeah, we get that little... You know, the whole thing of him staying in his seat is, I guess, his arc, he becomes a better kid through obeying his dad. And then, yeah. and then, we, and then we get the nice heart tugging moment where he's crying and he says, I, I stayed in my seat, dad. And then they yeah. hug. And, yeah, you know. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, 
we're we're gonna talk about the the quality of the parenting <laughs> in the problematic section, definitely. So I don't right. I don't know so we'll how I feel that. about that arc we'll get, anyway. We'll get but, back um, to that. But uh, um, yeah, let's move on to question number two. Mm-hmm. How do the terrorists? Smuggled the bombs into the stadium. They smuggle the bombs in packages of popcorn. Okay, I'm I'm gonna give you that, although that's not specifically what I'm looking for. Okay, because it, well, 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 they're in. Um, oh yeah, they're in. They're in the little penguin dolls. Yes, yeah, the little yeah, penguin. That's dolls. what I'm looking for. But yes, they were inside the popcorn. Oh, okay, but yes, yeah, the, the little penguin plushies. Yeah, I will. I will say. Um, so, so this movie kind of. It was clear this movie was doing a lot of sort of like expositional economy there right. was a lot of there was a lot of sort of like jumping past mm-hmm. the information that they sort of were like this the information established and now we're just going to jump right in right. to the the uh you know the the result of that mm-hmm. information which is generally smart allows you to keep your movie going and and keep a good pace um but there were definitely points where i felt like they kind of hand waved just just how just how overprepared these particular baddies were. It really seemed yeah. like they they, they really had everything. Yeah, they, they really had this stadium by the balls, and I was just like, uh, would you, though? Do you really, though? I mean, the fucking vice president's there. Secret Service is going to be all over the place. Like, there's not a single person who's going to be in the stadium who's not, I mean, you know, who's on the staff who's not going to get double background checked. Right. Like, so. I mean, I mean the and whole then, the whole yeah. first third of the movie is, is all dedicated to the terrorist takeover of the stadium. Yeah. So we do get to see like every single facet of their plan. Yeah, yeah, we we do see yeah, so somehow uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, they yeah, the bombs were in the penguins yes. and the penguins were in the popcorn, but yes. Yeah, I, I don't and know. And they got the chef's wife. So. And they got the chef's wife. Like, yeah, like it, it was all clear. Like, it was all clear. Everything was covered. Yeah, but but there were definitely po- well, like for instance, like the when the cars in the parking lot explode. I was like, mm. when when did that happen? Yeah, like I mean, they just I guess they just have bombs everywhere. But yeah, but like, that, I I agree that that's not that wasn't clear. I'm like, why are there bombs randomly in the parking lot? Yeah. Um, yeah, and 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 I get that part of it too is um, hallmarks clearly being in on it as well. Obviously, right. like that 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 sort of helps to bolster mm-hmm. just how you know underprepared the good guys were. Yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, it was, it was an inside job. A little, yeah, there's a little there's a little a little missing there. It felt like for me. All right, so here comes question number three. You're All doing right. great. Okay. Here we go. The film takes place during Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals between which two NHL teams? Now, you're going to get one point if you can name either both cities or both team names, but you get the full two points if you can name the city and the team. Ooh, okay. Um, Well, uh, the cities are um, Pittsburgh and Chicago. Correct. Good. Um, the Pittsburgh is the Penguins. Um, the Chicago. <sighs> that the Chicago. I yeah. I don't think I'm gonna get that second point. The the team's red. I'm trying. I I can't think though of what hockey team would have red. So so I'm just I'm gonna stick with my one point. Okay. You don't yeah. want to take a wild guess just in case. 
No. Okay. No. All right. So it was the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Chicago Blackhawks. Blackhawks. Okay. So the red would have been no help there. Right. Um. Now, are you? You're not a a, a hockey fan, I or a, a follower of the sport of hockey. I, not I guess. not as such. No. I. You know, hockey is definitely one of the more fun sports to watch. I would say it's mm-hmm. pretty fast paced and, um, you know the potential for violence mm-hmm. um you know i was i was complaining about you that know, there were no in the movie that was like why the fuck hasn't a fist fight broken on the ice hockey's yet? a lot of fun to watch um and yeah everyone wants a fight to break out but it's yeah. actually a pretty fa- fun game it's like yeah. really fast paced it's like yeah. soccer on ice pretty much yeah uh the, the fun fact here the penguins and the blackhawks actually met uh in the stanley cup finals once in real life it was in 1992, which is a few years before this movie. Okay. Um, and the Penguins swept the Blackhawks in four straight games to capture the second straight Stanley Cup Finals. Um, but since this uh, movie, the Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup three times. So both of them are pretty successful teams in the realm of hockey. Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. All right, so you're doing good though because that was, uh, I guess, like a bo- out, you yeah, know, that was like a bonus point. there question on point system there. So you got they got the cities. That's good enough for me. Yeah. Let's move on to question number four. And again, this is the point of the quiz where I'm like, so I'm, I'm trying to make it harder, but I don't know. Sometimes the fourth question is easier than the I don't third know, you, question. You've been doing pretty good stumping me. So uh, let's let's see. Let's see how we do on this back half. We talk a lot about the bombs in this movie, during the movie. Not us personally, but like we, the, the people in this film, talk a lot about the bombs in the movie. Yeah. But how many bombs do we actually see Darren disarm on screen? Uh, for 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 the audience, I'm I'm, I'm counting mm-hmm. I'm counting them in my head. I, I it's like I can't even specifically name the locations because it's all like behind the scenes in a stadium. Right. right. But we know uh, there are ten total. But, but yeah. So yeah, we know there are ten total. But we see him disarm. Let's and see. we know that he gets to seven total. Yeah, yeah. But but as far as what we see on screen, it's like there's 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 all right. So there's that first one. Then there's the next one, and a fight happens right after. Um, we see him disarm four on screen total. That's what I'm going to go with. The answer is three. Because the fourth one, he we never actually see him disarm it. He gets to the bomb and he's about to, then a fight breaks out, and we never actually see him disarm it after the fight. You know what? That's fair. That's fair. I'm happy to lose that on a technicality. That's fine. That's so fine. We actually okay. see him disarm three. Good call. Good three on screen. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> but you were really close. You were I was. really close. I was. He and was we, we saw him on screen with four bombs. Yes. At, at some point in the movie. Okay, yeah. that's that's good enough for me. We did. And we were uh, and you were wondering during the movie what expertise a fireman has in disarming the bomb. They do have that throwaway line. Uh, where they talk about how he was an arson expert and a decorated arson expert at that. I don't know personally if that lends you the skill set to to do that. It it barely adds more plausibility to it. I still think, again, if you're working for the fire department, your expertise is in it's in prevention and it's it's in extinguishing and it's in investigating how the damage occurred. Mm -hmm. Um... Like, especially if you're an arson investigator. I, I, I would imagine... Yeah, I guess now... 
okay, so now that I'm talking it out, like, yeah, if, if you're if you're somebody who, like, investigates arson, then that does mean that you need to have, you need to have some knowledge of explosives, I right. suppose, and, and sort of, like, of how, of, well, you, you would have knowledge of, like, the impact of the explosives. The effect I, of it, yeah. I, yeah, I'm not necessarily still sure that that really translates, though, to, like, the the ability to disarm them because a bomb squad would be like the the police uh, uh, yeah. department's yeah purview. yeah that's the thing a, a police department would have a bomb squad right. that would be disarming it and mm-hmm. or you know the military right. or something like that firemen so, are there so, after the fact yeah exactly so um but so I I still am not sure I buy it like there's he, a pretty common phenomenon with most John Claude Van Damme movies and I call it the unlimited skill set and I find like whereas that's a big problem. Uh, with a lot of action movies in general and action stars, but I really, really notice it in John Claude Van Damme movies. Yeah. Because, like I said earlier in the episode, while these other big action stars usually play specialists of some sort, or yeah. like these are these big, like macho, stoic, muscle guys, John Claude Van Damme usually plays like an everyman type of character. Yeah. And yet we're expected to believe that he has like all of these unlimited, like, fighting skills and also all these like technical skills like he was macgyvering the shit out of things in this yeah, movie yeah time, creating like, weapons and shit and bombs yeah, yeah making that fucking making that fucking one time use fucking like, like a dart, dart gun thing that yeah slides up his sleeve and I was, right and, I, and and yeah that that fucking killed me like i was just like what the fuck like mm-hmm. like why why like he just he went to so much effort to, to construct that thing right. which, would o- which, would o- which would only have been in use once and only in a very specific set of circumstances which like, happens immediately which happens immediately after he makes a <laughs> fucking thing so i was i was not that into that mm-hmm. like that just like yeah that like 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 it's one thing to have a character who like is resourceful and like you know is able to fashion tools that will get them through a situation. But, like, yeah, to specifically rig up that specific mm-hmm. type of weapon that's only really going to come into play if you are, you know, put your hands up, that that was pretty bullshit to me. So. Going back to the Die Hard comparison, like, I, I think about uh, John McClane, the, the character that Bruce Willis plays in Die Hard, and his skill set is pretty much what you would expect from a cop skill yeah exactly that's a thing like that's that's part of die hard's brilliance mm-hmm. that like he throughout that whole film he's he's really just barely hanging yeah. on by the skin of his teeth yeah. like and um and and it's clear he's fighting for his life and he suffers and, a lot yeah and he, yeah and he's yeah he gets the shit kicked out of him through that movie and uh and 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 yes he's resourceful and and there are definitely one or two goofy moments where like yeah he drops some c4 down an elevator right. or you know he swings from a fucking thing because yeah. it's a fucking action 80s movie. action movie but like but but it still lives within a certain, plausible but yeah it still lives within a certain realm of plausibility because he's a police officer so we get he knows a bit about hostage situations he knows a bit about like fighting and, and we get van damme so. swinging in this movie yes but in a very ridiculous sequence and, yeah yeah like just <laughs> yeah so all right so you're doing great um Although you know, you were close well, for I that lost, one. Uh, yeah, I lost question you, four. But uh, here comes question number five. Okay, this is the toughest question because it only occurs once in the movie. Oh boy, let's Ooh see boy. if you remember it. Ugh. What was Darren's full name? 
Oh no! Why would you do that to me? <laughs> that Emily was such an adorable it. moment yeah. too. Oh, Darren something McCorb. Uh, <laughs> Darren. Oh, Darren. <laughs> oh no! Come on, brain. Darren. Oh, fucking. I don't know. My answer is Darren motherfucking McCord. That's my answer. The correct answer okay. is Darren Francis Thomas McCord. Francis Thomas. I, I thought there was a T name. I was like, yeah, I was like Darren Tyler. Or I don't know. Like I was like, maybe gone that way, but I was like, it couldn't be Tyler. Now, Jean-Claude Van Damme, of course, is Belgian. He's from yes. Brussels. Uh, he's known as the Muscles from Brussels. Yes. Uh, his character in this movie, we're led to believe, is French-Canadian because he mentions that he played semi-pro in Canada. Yeah. Um, but the name of Darren Francis Thomas McCord is not a French-sounding name at all. Yeah, yeah. And I find that this is an issue, an issue with movies with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Arnold Schwarzenegger, where they play these names that are just, like, really white-bred American names. Yeah. But we're expected to believe that, like, even though they have, like, these accents, that they're still just completely American. Yeah, like, yeah, Francis Thomas, yeah, that's, like, <laughs> yeah, that's very... Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, British Isles Irish. <laughs> like, right. So. I would I like I, if he was like a had a Boston accent, I would buy it. Yes, yeah. Darren Francis Thomas McCord from from Boston, the Boston uh, firefighter, or actually Pittsburgh. I, I guess has a pretty big Irish, you know. Yeah, yeah, community. That's, that's that. Yeah, that does sound like a native Pittsburgh mm-hmm. name. Yeah, but. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, um, that, yeah, that's the name. So you didn't get that one. Um, so Here's the- it's up to the bonus to redeem yourself because yeah. you're not getting any any bragging rights for this no. one. Looks like no. Ugh, I have to go back to making these easier. No, <laughs> no, keep the challenge going. It's fine. We learn in adversity. All right, here is the bonus question. This is another blinking your missing moment. Yeah, there's a point in the movie. Where one of the henchmen is playing a video game, what is the name of the video game that the henchman in the skybox is playing? <laughs> this is the question I was hoping you'd ask me, because I am like 95% sure that motherfucker is playing Doom. That's your final answer? Yes. I'm going to give it to you. Well, specifically, it was like fucking Doom 2? Specifically, it's Doom 2 Hell on Earth. Ah, uh, well. But it was, in fact... Doom. Okay, cool. That's that's fair enough. Yeah, I uh, yeah. I mean, I have never played the original Doom mm-hmm. or Doom Two. Um, I have played uh, the the 2016 adaptation, mm-hmm. um, which is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. It's like just the most balls to the wall action game ever. It's just like beating the fuck out of demons with your bare hands and you also have ridiculous weapons mm-hmm. and uh, and just this ridiculous metal soundtrack playing while you're doing it. It's fucking amazing. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I was a little excited when I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's definitely Doom. Or yeah, but, or, I mean, not quite Doom, but, uh, right. but I appreciate you giving it to me regardless. Oh yeah, I mean, it's uh, a bonus, so you get it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I it, already lost it, the bragging rights. Because it was pretty like flash, like blink and you miss it. They showed it for like literally like a second. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, it, it, uh, the 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 five percent uncertainty was that it <laughs> might have been Wolfenstein, Ooh. but uh, but because uh, I knew I knew I recognized like okay this is like you know early nineties 
first person mm-hmm. shooter. One mm-hmm. of the one of the and a PC the shooter too. Exactly. Playing it on like a keep like a regular. Yeah, keyboard. yeah. It was yeah because basically and Doom like, was one of the big like first big like PC games. Yeah, yeah. It was um re- I think it was uh, Return to Castle Wolfenstein was or no it might have been oh, I forget what the name was but but like yeah there was there was Wolfenstein which was like the first which was like the first video game of its kind to be like to 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 basically be a first person shooter where you're just moving through always from that perspective shooting people um then doom came along which like was such a massive runaway success that um for a while other video games that were from a first person perspective like that that were shooters from that perspective Mm -hmm. were called doom clones Mm. and then after more and more doom clones came out and it became clear that you know this was just a genre of gaming onto its own eventually the term first person shooter came into prominence so yeah. just a little trivia a little, a little video game trivia for me to offer there now we all know more yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so this movie interestingly it's it started its life as a as a comedy like a comedy action uh, movie and then it became more like th- action thriller oriented originally um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, and Bruce Willis were considered for the role of Darren McCord, but all three turned down the role before Jean-Claude Van Damme got the part. Schwarzenegger turned it down because he had just finished uh, filming True Lies, and, uh, and, and he had done Junior the same year, back-to-back. Uh, Stallone turned down the role because he didn't like the quality of the script. No, no surprise there. Mm-hmm. And then Willis turned it down because he was working on Die Hard with a Vengeance at the time, which of course came mm-hmm. out like the following. Uh, Ooh, Die yeah. Hard with a Vengeance. That one. That one was also quality. It's a good movie, although it's my least favorite of the Die Hards. If it I'm is being... really well, like, no, I didn't, except I didn't... for the Russian one, the uh, Good Day to Die Hard, which I don't even count that one. But of the first four Die Hards, Ve- with a Vengeance is my least favorite. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's you, a you, that's a you, whole you other take, podcast. You, wait, hold up. You, all right, I just want to clarify. You uh, take Die Hard two over Die Hard with the, a Vengeance. The Die Hard two is way better than with a Vengeance. Yeah, no, no question. Ah. Uh. I don't know. That's a take. That's a, that's Di- a take. Die Hard Three is not Die Hard enough. It's more of a of a buddy comedy, and it's it's a good it's well, a good yeah. buddy comedy. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it doesn't do the yeah, it doesn't do the structure per se. Or uh, this is this is a whole other. And, and live free, live free, and Die Hard is also a buddy comedy, but it does it better than Die Hard with a Vengeance. That's mm-hmm. my take on it. That's an interesting take. But we're we're, we're going to talk. We're, nobody we're gonna touches talk about Die Hard. Die Hard's the best. Of, of yeah, the best. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, yeah, this we're going to continue. This discussion. <laughs> we're going to we're going to for another time. Another yeah, for episode. another time. Uh, Peter Hyams, the director. This is the second movie that he and John Claude Van Damme did together. The first one being Time Cop, which is also a lot of fun. Uh, he wasn't interested in making this movie at first because he thought it was a lame idea. Again. No surprise there. Uh, Van Damme or... or, uh, The director, Peter Hyams. Van Damme was the one who recruited Hyams after accepting the lead role. And Hyams... Van Damme actually came to him with some ideas for some set pieces in the movie. Uh, Hyams enjoyed the ideas, and that's when he agreed to sign in as a director. Now, the movie is a pretty, I think, like... It feels and looks like a '90s action movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, that's that's interesting. The kind of creative input that Van Damme had, but uh, I guess was that 
pretty common for most of these sort of, you know, star-driven action films I think, that, like, the stars would kind of be like, ooh, we could also do a sequence like it's, this. It's or, common for star-driven cinema, period, I think. Yeah, Because like, I, I think, like, true. Tom, whenever Tom Cruise does a movie, he has a lot of input in, in the script. And, you know, anytime yeah. you have, like, a, a star that you know is a moneymaker of some sort... Yeah. Then they're gonna they have some leeway in developing the movie and itself and yeah, and a, a lot point. of the movie is tailored to them you know yeah um, so that's not really um, a surprise but yeah so yeah he was the one who recruited because I guess they enjoyed working on he enjoyed working on Time Cop with him nice and uh, and they decided to work together that's good you know you know hey film industry helping each other out like that's that's cool like it's that. a collaborative medium yeah. Let's go into our first GSV segment, which is shots, 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 shots. We're talking about the gratuitous violence in this movie, of which there is a plenty. Yeah, there really is. You know, like the I'm, I'm. It's it's a half coining. I'm not quite coining anything really, but I. In my notes, I have here, like, the gruesome Bond thing. You know how, like, every James Bond film, Mm -hmm. Bond gets into, like, one fist fight with the particularly tough mook who ends up meeting a particularly grisly end at the end of that fight? That usually happens once in every Bond movie. Mm -hmm. And this movie had, like, two or three of those. (laughs) Like... Yeah. Like, so, so yeah. And, 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 like, and these were, again, among this fucking fire marshal's, like, first you know couple kills right. like and, and, successful yeah and, and he really just had no problem just like before we go too deep into the most memorable deaths yeah take a gander of how many the body total body count for this movie was do you think you have a, a rough a guess oh um confirmed on screen deaths confirmed on screen deaths um well i guess uh, including casualties of the terrorists as well Yes, terrorists okay, cool. okay, cool. included. Um, or I, I mean, but but like both people that the hero kills and people that the terrorists yes. kill, right? Okay, cool. Um, I have the answer for both. We're gonna do total first, and then we'll talk about how many Darren kills. Okay, cool, good. That works. Um, so I think it actually was pretty high body count. Like it, is it was definitely high. probably higher than twenty, right? Definitely yeah, higher d- than twenty. Definitely higher than twenty. Um. Uh, I'm going to say, like, I don't know, maybe somewhere between, like, 30 and 40? Yeah, it's a pretty good guess. Yeah. The uh, actual number is 38. 38. There you go. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nice. So, and uh, how many do you think that uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme himself is responsible for? Um, I think he's probably... Somewhere between one and ten, but like, <laughs> but like close to ten. Uh huh. Pretty close to ten. Maybe, maybe just squeaks past it. Yeah, eleven. Eleven. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Eleven deaths. There you and go. interestingly, and that was not the trivia question because no, because fine. we were going to talk about it here. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so, uh, and interestingly, none of the terrorists are killed by anybody except for John Claude Van Damme. Okay, he that's kills, fair. and but the terrorists do kill quite a few. Um, yeah, Powers Booth is the one responsible for the most death by terrorists. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's a thing. Like, uh, the, that was the one thing about about that character. Not necessarily a problem with like the performance, but like, man, that guy just really, he had really no liked problem killing. just like 
killing people for sneezing. Like right, like just, when he was like saying how the mayor's wife was annoying, and uh, so that's why he yeah, killed that her. Yeah, that was yeah, that was a little that was a little bit much, I guess. Like in a way, I don't know. There's villainous, well, villainous. I mean, like yeah, I'm I'm used to seeing villains who you know are willing to you know fucking kill for their objective, but like yeah, that shit definitely went well into like you know pretty pretty fucked up sadistic. Well, there was something particularly sadistic about the way. He was very sadistic. Well, yeah, like, uh, well, sp- yeah, specifically he was threatening the- Emily. You say offering her a drink and a cigarette. Yeah, <laughs> because he was going to murder her, like and stuff like that. So, so yeah, and and it's like it, 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 it was. What what it was that struck me about it was I think just like how far he took it past just like you know pure utilitarianism, right? Because like because like on the one hand, yeah. You know, if you're taking hostages and yeah, you might like off a few of them to, you know, show the other hostages that you mean business Mm -hmm. and get them to cooperate and stuff like that. So he does that. But then like he just continues to be very arbitrary in who he kills and when he kills them. And usually I find in movies like this or in or in, I guess, better movies like this, um, the lead villain he he doesn't really take uh, initiative in killing. It's mostly his lackeys and henchmen who do all the killing for him. He maybe kills like one or two because he's pushed to the edge kind of thing. Like a lot of times these villains, like you said, are very charismatic. And so they seem to be in control. But yeah. Powers Booth from the from the get go is very much like not in control, even though he is in control. And I guess that's part also of why his performance is a lot of fun because he does tap into that lunacy very well. Yeah. And he's, you can tell that that guy's like, he's going to snap and just fucking kill everyone in the room. Yeah. He ends up killing five people total on screen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Mr. Booth. Yeah. Look, boss man put in the fucking work. (laughs) Not gonna lie. Uh, but it does, it does make it more, I think, powerful. Um, Whenever Emily stands up to him, because he is like, like he says to horrifying, Emily, like yeah, he, he says I'm the 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 scariest person you've ever seen, and he, and she's like, you're the meanest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty great. I like um, that. I, like that I do want to talk about you're you're mentioning the uh, the gruesome Bond death, right? Yeah, I want to talk about probably the most famous gruesome death in this movie which is the very first fight that we see in the kitchen between yeah. the henchman in the icy mascot costume and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh my lord. That fight that, is the stuff of legend. That that fight <laughs> Yeah. Well and that was the thing. I mean that that fight was certainly my first clue at just how right. fucking ungrounded this goddamn movie yeah. was just because like Firstly, just like the sheer, just the sheer strangeness of Van Damme <laughs> in this in this really brutal fight with a fucking mask, right? Which is a holdover from when the script was a comedy script. Yeah, very much. Yeah, because so. it is weirdly comical. This yeah. whole thing. Well, and and especially just as far as like how extreme it gets, like that he first burns her hand in the fucking fry that that right and 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 then yeah just like that she gets died by being strangled by the fucking dish conveyor belt and the oven fan like slicing off ice oh my god head. yeah i was like oh my god <laughs> are, are we really going for like decapitation here like good lord yeah it was so over the top but yeah. it's a lot of fucking fun to watch yeah. like the inventiveness and it's not even like i think that the first time that i saw it like i in my memory it's such a I, even now, I think like it's it's such a iconic in the you know in the context of this movie, it's really an iconic sequence. 
so you you feel like it takes on more weight than it does, but it really is a fast sequence. It's over pretty quick. Yeah. And here's an interesting thing. Look, that fight, that's the first action sequence that we have with Jean-Claude Van Damme's character. We have had action before them, but it's, again, all terrorist action. Yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme, he gets into his first fight 37 minutes into this movie. All right. That's 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 an impressive metric. Yeah, so and it, it kind of like slow burns up to him being involved in in the action, I guess. Yeah, yeah, very much so. But yeah, and 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 I think yeah, that's part of what like threw me about it too mm-hmm. was just that like before that fight happens, and um, I, I mentioned it earlier that like he's you know he's trying to pry open a door with like a machete or right. something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thankfully, he picked that up. Well, he, I don't know. He was in a kitchen or something. Like whatever. I'll, yeah, I'll buy it. But like. But yeah, he's trying to like pry open a door with a fucking machete. And then like as soon as it's kind of clear that, you know, whoever this person in the big costume is there, you know, that he he knew they had his daughter or something. Yeah. But like and it's not Joan. Yeah, and yeah, and then it's not the yeah, the woman that he knows at the at the stadium. And but but then just like the fact that he immediately just like, you know, fucking goes for these like really aggressive like right. slashing yeah. attacks like like right off the bat. And I was like, dude, like you you're fucking fire marshal yeah. and you're fucking traumatized and your daughter's missing. Like how are you in fighting form right, right. now? So yeah. like it just really goes to 11 like in that first immediately. scene and then like the whole movie is just him doing that crazy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fucking hero bullshit yeah yeah so. <laughs> yeah the, I mean, the, the movie really just changes and becomes like a superhero film at that point yeah, pretty much <laughs> pretty much pretty much um the other like sequence a big big action sequence that we both feel uh stretches the belief i know that you mentioned it specifically as we were watching the movie is the final helicopter crash um, oh my god! Like, <laughs> which was like the big, big like stunt piece of the film. Yeah. Uh, let me talk a little bit about it, and then we can discuss how you felt about it. The crash was filmed with a 400 foot crane that could pick up and lower the helicopter into the arena. Nine cameras recorded the event, which was filmed several times. There were hundreds of emergency vehicles on standby in case of an accident, and the film was, of course, it, it was filmed at like. Uh, I'm not going to say half speed, but at a slower speed. And then the effect of it as we're watching it is that we're supposed to think that we're watching it in slow motion when actually we're watching it at the speed that it was filmed. And that, again, is for like Hmm. safety purposes because you're not going to lower a live helicopter into an arena like that. So, yeah, no, certainly not. Well, but like, like here's the thing, like (laughs) what, what, what just drove me so fucking crazy about, Mm. about that, that set piece is just that like helicopters are, are really fucking unstable. Like, yeah. you know, fucking flying machines. Right. Like, like you have to be an incredibly skilled should pilot. Be spinning. Yeah. It like, should so, be so spinning. that's the thing. Like if the pilot's fucking dead and like, you know, yanks up on the stick, like that fucking thing is going to just go completely right. skewed. You don't know where the fuck it's going to yeah, land. Yeah, go berserk. Um, so, so like it absolutely should have been a crash, mm-hmm. but like just the idea that it just, perfectly that that it just sort of tilts up and then perfectly falls back like like and the thing is like if if that was like a small plane or something like that because of like you know the the effects that a plane's wings have Mm -hmm. on stabilizing it and then the fins that it has like that wouldn't actually more more plausible yeah that would be 
yeah, not that unrealistic right. for a plane to fall that way if it ended up pulling up and stalling like that. But a helicopter would never fucking stall like that. Like because because it it doesn't have that much to stabilize it. What's stabilizing it is the movement of the rotors. And if it falls out of alignment, then yeah, it's gonna go fucking anywhere. Now, so. if there's anybody listening who knows anything about helicopter physics and we're completely off base here, yeah, reach out to us on our Twitter at uh, GSV Pod. And let us know because we really don't. We're not. This experts. is true. Yes, I. This is my very strong opinions, and and not at all backed up by but any I'm inclined, actual knowledge. I'm inclined but, to agree with you though because yeah. I feel I find that to be to really mess with my suspension of disbelief. It yeah. just seems like no that that doesn't that doesn't seem how helicopters work in real I life don't, at all. Yeah, I don't think so at and all. And especially so, because and, like and in, so in other action movies, whenever I see helicopter crash, they're always spinning. Yeah. <laughs> well also especially just because like I mean like like one of the things that like you know makes helicopters so imposing is the rotors too. Right. So like the fact that it's falling like right past Jean Claude mm-hmm. Van Damme right past his daughter. His daughter and, yeah. and, and, and misses them both. And misses them both both and that the rotors are not just like chopping everything right. to pieces on its way down even pretty ridiculous yeah it pretty is ridiculous. fucking ridiculous and and you know like wasted potential but we do like, get to have like the final villain scream from powers booth we do and but but again and that's just another example of the cheap knockoff nature that this particular film is of die hard villain again, fall into his death yeah. that's a pretty common trope villain fall into it's, his death it's a common trope but it's yeah but it definitely Disney does it a lot in like oh yeah <laughs> no absolutely but but yeah but like the in particular the way this one right. is shot oh yeah it's it's, it's very it's much almost shot for Hans, Hans, Gruber. Hans Gruber's death, right. like um, just in a helicopter. Mm-hmm. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, like when I when I mentioned earlier in this episode that this is probably the second or third best knockoff Die Hard. That's already a pretty low bar because <laughs> you can really. I mean, you only have Die Hard and Speed. Those are the best. Yeah. Because even like when you get to the Die Hard two and onward yeah. even those movies are, are not as tightly constructed as speed is yeah you know um let me let me ask only because i watched it recently um uh, where does uh where does air force one uh rank for you air force one is really good yeah and if i'm thinking about that then that, that might be like up there in the two or three yeah. spot that may be another conversation mm-hmm. for us to have, but but yeah, Air Force I, One is I, really good. I like yeah. that movie a lot, and 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 I would say like I I watched Air Force One before I saw Die Hard um, oh. too. So um uh so so Air Force One already has its own distinct identity to me. Right. But after I watched Die Hard and you know just got very familiar with its structure and how its structure. I, was I very think you're right. It, now that I think of it, it does have a lot of similarities with the with the Die Hard structure. Yeah, yeah. But but it's very good. It's a very but, good but movie. yeah. But it definitely yeah. It definitely has its own very distinct identity. Which that's the thing about this movie is mm-hmm. that this doesn't. movie doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't have an identity the to best, it that really distinguishes. The best thing about this movie, honestly, is how ridiculous it is. Yeah, that's really the reason to watch it for me. It's like I'm not gonna get a, a tight action thriller like a Die Hard, but I am going to see a lot of ridiculous action, over-the-top Jean-Claude Van Damme action violence. That's really what I want from yeah. from a movie by with, with Jean-Claude Van Damme in it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And in that case, it's fairly successful, I think. Yeah. Uh, let's go on to our next segment, which is Boob Tube. And there's not not a lot of sex or violence. I'm sorry, sex or nudity in this movie. No, not really. Um, I there's I, only brief nudity in the locker room with the players. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's 
<laughs> that 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 was the brief nudity. That not what I expected because because like you know we're watching it on stars, so they have like the little rating at the beginning. Right, and it's, it's like a partial nudity. nudity thing. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, it looks like we're on brand for our right. podcast. But um, no, it was hockey player. But no, it was some hockey player. But um, you know, so so I want to take this opportunity since there's not a lot of like sex. Actually, there's no sex and yeah. very limited nudity. I want to talk about uh, the female presence in this movie uh, and really. Our main female character is little Emily McCord, which we've already talked about, but let's talk about her more in depth now. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the Emily McCord character? I I really liked her. I mean, there was something I liked about, um, uh, as I had mentioned, the way she uh, really, you know, it's clear she's very terrified, like yeah. when she's you know kidnapped yeah. and taken up to the box. But she's very good at being kidnapped. But, by the way, she gets kidnapped twice. Yeah, she does. <laughs> she really does. Um, so that's that aside, good. yeah. But um, but she she holds her own. Yeah, I uh, like her as a character when, a lot. When uh, when uh, Powers Booth is uh, is intimidating the hell out of her, um, that little exchange is amazing. It's so good. She's really great. They both are really great in that. Yeah, um, and. Uh, Daddy's a boss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, uh, I I liked. Um, I, I enjoyed how like she just you know she she likes what she likes and mm. and and that she you know she had a certain you know, she, she you know between the two kids obviously there's meant to be this contrast between right. the brother and the sister that like her brother is clearly very jaded about mm-hmm. you know his father and yeah. you know is just like, oh, he's not the hero that I thought right. he was. And and she's the one who still is looking still up to him and still believes in him. Mm-hmm. And so um uh so yeah, there there was something that I that I enjoyed about how how she continued to stick up for him. Um and she was much more involved in the the chaos than the the boy was. I mean the boy was just sat there the whole time. Yeah like, the boy just got, yeah she was just, really involved in the plot the yeah, whole way she, through. Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. Um definitely. Uh now, interesting uh, factoid, the role of Emily McCord, which uh, was played by Whitney Wright, was originally offered to Mara Wilson, who we really? know from 30, uh, Miracle on 34th Street and Mrs. Doubtfire and Matilda. Yeah. Um, but her parents forbade her from accepting it due to the script's violent content. Wow. There is a lot of violence that flies around this little girl like all the time and yeah. people like cursing at her and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. There's even that moment where y- you audibly gasped when she fell through the trap door of the ceiling yeah. and almost felt her death on oh the ice. Oh my god, yeah. I was really stressed by that. Um, I mean, Put kids in danger. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean that's a thing. Um, generally, yeah, ch- children, children in your film is is a volatile thing, right? Because children actors are are you know are are very challenging mm-hmm. to direct. And this um, is Die Hard on Ice with kids, as you mentioned, and this is Die Hard <laughs> on Ice with kids. Um, so uh, so so yeah so. Uh, yeah, when, when I say children are, are, are a volatile thing to put in your film, because I think, you know, when you do it right, um, it, it's very impactful. Right. And when you're able to get a great performance, it's very impactful. And and as, you know, obviously, like, her falling through that trapdoor, there's something immediately visceral, yeah. like, oh, my God, about yeah. that, as you said, I audibly guess. Right, right. But thankfully... And, 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 and especially because she, like, she won my heart over yeah. already a little bit, no, too. She's a very so, lovable character. Um, yeah, yeah. Her brother, though... Nah, who cares fucking, about it? Fucking <laughs> schmuck. I mean, look, I mean, look, I will say, um, 
you know, again, we'll, we'll kind of elaborate more in the next section. His skepticism of his father, I think, is very well earned. Let's go into the next segment. The next yes. segment is called... Uh, that's, that's problematic. problematic. So yeah, let's talk about his parenting skills. Yeah, I mean that's that was honestly the thing that was most problematic. And and boy, like the red flags start very early mm. in this movie. It it like literally starts with or I mean after you have like that initial sequence of him, you know, getting traumatized in a fire. Right. Um the next time you see him, he is showing up to his kids while they are with his now divorced wife. Right. Mm-hmm. And he basically ambushes them yeah. while the kids are with her. Mm-hmm. And she and it's clear from the dialogue, there is a plan in place for yeah. the kids to be Birthday with him dinner. the next day. Um and and also that there is a plan that like he he gets the kids tomorrow, right? But he shows up today with a pair of fucking hockey tickets. Yep. And, Not fair, and, as the mom says. And yeah, it was like it was just a very clear case of emotional blackmail. Right. Like, um, th- yeah, that was really fucked up. Mm-hmm. That's a really shitty move to pull. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, uh, they get to this fucking place, which by the way, like he is working and yeah, he's yeah. brought his he's kids. Not supervising them. Yeah. So he's not supervising the kids at all. He just basically plants them in a pair of seats and is like, don't move. Um, which like, you know, I was able to hand wave the don't move at first, like when it happened. Cause like, okay, like it's your place of work and it's clear he knows everybody on the staff. So like, maybe there's a certain level of like, okay, like, you know, he knows that if they wander off that they'll be, easily located or something mm-hmm. like that but again it's a huge fucking stadium and right. it's packed full of people yeah. so that's already pretty pretty fucked up mm-hmm. but then on top of that like when she wanders off and then he comes back to find his son and he says to his son if the building is falling down you still don't stay move. Po- don't move mm-hmm. which like first of all that's just a shitty move as a parent right. to just be like, hey, I'm going to leave you alone again. Yeah. Don't fucking move. Right. But also on top of that, he's a fucking fire marshal, yeah. which means his whole job is about like the evacuation. If there's an emergency, process. you have to get the fuck out of there. And yeah, if there is an emergency, then like any good parent would want their child to get yeah. out of danger first. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's just <laughs> such a such a yeah, such a shit sandwich of parenting. Um, that really, yeah, that really got me. Yeah, that got me. Got you worked up. Did it, Gr- did. it grounded your gears. It, it did grind my gears. And I mean, he, he's, he spends a lot of the movie, like, again, like trying to save his little girl, but, um, he doesn't really try that hard, I guess, to go after his son. He does try once to go after his son, but you even mentioned it. That's like, why yeah. don't you try to go get, get his yeah, son? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. Cause like he knows his daughter is kidnapped. So like, it's clear that like, you know, it, it's clear that like this building, which like, you know, again, at first when he makes them stay put, you know, the building is still safe to him. He mm-hmm. still knows the staff's going on. But like now he knows that like, you know, there are fucking terrorists in the building who literally got through to the fucking vice president. Right. So like his kids are not fucking safe yeah. right now. Um, and his daughter is currently with the terrorists. So like, why is his first priority not like get like, like, you know, any, any, 
any somewhat rational adult, even if they are like, you know, fucking going through it because their child has been kidnapped. Like, why are you not going to make sure that your other kid doesn't get fucking kidnapped? Why isn't, why didn't he, why wasn't the first thing he did getting his son on fucking lockdown? Don't tell a stranger where your son is sitting either. I mean, come on, dude. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. You don't know this Hallmark guy. Yeah. When he trusted Hallmark, which like, I will led to a really good scene. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is definitely a really good scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, when he when Hallmark tries to get the kid. yeah yeah that that was definitely a good scene that was that was definitely well played um and and I would say like even I was taken in by Hallmark I was actually genuinely oh. shocked that he was in on it yeah. so um wow. that that was a bit of a surprise too so part of me was like yeah that that makes sense like yeah mm-hmm. sure let 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 the fucking Secret Service agent right. who's in charge know where your kid is right. um so that was a bit of a surprise too so maybe that wasn't so wise but uh, yeah. So I guess like the most like parental that we get towards uh, towards his son is when somehow he thinks it's a good idea to dress up as the goalie to evade the terrorists and he finds himself in the goalie box. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And like, he, he does the "I love you" to the kid, to the kid after, which leads to a very heartwarming moment. But but what is the fuck is he doing out there in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. Like that was that was one hundred percent. Like again, the movie was already pulling a lot of ridiculous action. So bullshit, ridiculous. But like that was that again, was jumping wish the shark. fulfillment. Yeah, that was wish fulfillment. That was jump the shark. Um. Yeah, I should have been in a ten year old frame of mind. Yeah, and I wasn't. Um, <laughs> Um, I was just like, this is fucking bullshit um, the whole time. Um, that was very strange. A uh, very strange sequence. Uh, it, and it's just, I mean, I mean, you know, I think it's it's interesting because I think um, going back to Die Hard, mm-hmm. um, the b- part of the brilliance of Die Hard is, is how deftly its script, uh, like, sets up and pays off basically everything that yeah. like everything in that film is either a setup or a payoff right. and and there's a really good payoff for every single thing mm-hmm. that they set up in the film so like this is an example of just like a really weird example of setup and payoff where mm-hmm. like you know they have that scene towards the beginning where they're in the hockey right. dressing room and he mentions to the one shitty asshole <laughs> that um that uh you know he used to be semi-pro and yeah Canada and, and a goalie, so, or what? And a goalie, and and, and a goalie, and so uh, I it just it, and and so to have the payoff be now he's gonna fucking play in the fucking Stanley Cup was uh, it was a thing. There are a lot of weird setups and payoffs in this movie, like the the little girl with the stamp. When she stamps Powers Booth, and then later on, that's how she recognizes him. Yeah, that you see, that one was good. Mm-hmm. I, I actually really liked that one because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because again, like that's just like uh, that was cool. That was, I mean, it, it was a little upsetting that uh, more. I don't know that that wasn't more effective in a right, way, right. like that. It, ultimately, she she saw him and knew it was him, but then got kidnapped before right. it could really yeah. do good. Right. Um. But uh, but yeah, I I liked that reveal of of the stamp. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that that was a nice 
yeah that that was a, yeah that was a better like more more organic mm-hmm. I guess you could say yeah. uh, example of of good setup and payoff. So this movie. is a pre nine eleven movie. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about a little and bit how. about. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the uh, terrorism because I feel anytime anytime there's like a movie pre 9-11 with terrorists, there's going to be some problematic shit in it. But this one specifically is interesting because it's not like terrorists, you know, like in Die Hard, they they take over Nakatomi Towers and uh, they want to extort money from like a a businessman, you know, like that's very clearly like a like a capitalist thing. But in yeah. this movie, they're going after the vice president who for some reason is at the game seven of, of the Stanley cup finals. Yeah. But so you're involving here, like the, a whole like level of political intrigue into this and powers booth character. We find out is ex CIA from the counterfeit di- uh, division or, or, or ex secret service. I think it was, Either one of those, I think. Yeah. It was, I think they said CIA, but it was. Well, 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 I think they were, they were theorizing that he was CIA, but but because because the two because the two things that the Secret Service do are um, are uh, because Secret Service their bodyguards the and counterfeit. That, yeah, yeah, is that their bodyguards and counterfeit? Right. So, um, uh, so yeah. that makes sense. So, I mean, that's what yeah. the, we find out that he's from the counterfeit division. Yeah. Um, but how, how did you feel about the depiction of terrorism in this movie and yeah. also the the inclusion of uh, a vice president into the plot? Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was interesting. Yeah, to kind of like yeah, there was like a bit of like political sort of uh, sparring here and mm-hmm. there. Like you have like that moment where the vice president is like in the locker room with the guys and he's like, are you all Democrats right. or Republicans? Which is like a very sort of like stereotypical politician yeah. thing that like politicians, all they care about are their potential the votes, votes and whatever. Yeah. And, and, and certainly like I, you know, I mean, which leads to a, a, one of the better punchlines when the guy's like, neither we're Canadian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which was, yeah, that was a nice little moment, but like, yeah, definitely um, a, a very sort of uh, stock politician, uh, interaction in that moment. Um, and it's interesting to, I guess, I guess to sort of talk about them as terrorists and, and even to talk about like the guys in the original Die Hard as terrorists because like it, when, when it's revealed that like their goal was money, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, like, they, but they came because because they Hans came Gruber's, in they they came in pretending pretending to be that they have loftier ideas yeah ideals, exactly and they were really just bank robbers yeah yeah and whereas in, Hans, where in, the, in this from the get go the guy's like I want money yeah exactly <laughs> well and that's the thing too like uh, yeah that like in both cases they're pretty much like you know they're they're you know they're taking hostages right. and stuff and 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 uh, enforcing demands but like ultimately it is just like highline burglar right. Um, so uh so yeah it, i think it was it was interesting to kind of have the vice president be part of their tool i think i think it makes sense for powers to be you know former secret service because that would you know, if if you're gonna do a heist like that, that it banks on the vice president, in, right. you know, imploring the president to move funds kinda, frozen it, from, and it kind of nations. explains also how he has the knowledge of how to do everything, you know, and, and, yeah, and actually yeah. and, and, capture and, the vice president, yeah, and, and how to like be a step ahead right. of all the security protocols and stuff like that. So, um, so so like all that stuff kind of makes sense. Um, 
Yeah, I, I didn't necessarily see anything particularly problematic about it because you know it's just it's just a band of mercenaries, basically. right? Just a bunch of rough guys with guns. Yeah, we didn't have like any. It wasn't like in True Lies where the terrorists are Arab, and so we didn't have like any of that going. Yeah, on. yeah, there wasn't. Yeah, there was never like any sort of like broad um, broad stereotypes mm-hmm. necessarily being depicted. Um, certainly not. Certainly not as far as like you know depicting Arabs mm-hmm. in a in a you know, oversimplified, you know, destructive way or anything like that. So, yeah, um, yeah, a, a simplistic view of politicians, but uh, but not much else beyond that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I feel yeah. like uh, it's. I guess it wasn't like deep enough to really merit anything because I feel yeah. like there was like you were talking earlier about a lot of missed opportunities. There was a lot of missed opportunities there too in the character of the vice president. He became kind of like a very. Uh, not to be punny with the whole thing, but he became like a lame duck hostage. A little bit. Where he was just like sitting there for the ride. Whereas yeah, in a more, in a more, in a more superior movie, I feel like the vice presidential character would would be more active in in the film. Yeah, yeah, there there should yeah, I, I guess that that was definitely a missed opportunity. Also, I mean, I think as far as like the straining of the plausibility that's going on in this movie, like I don't know. It's it's very strange. I mean, again, obviously they explain it by having him be, you know, former government. Right. But like, it's it's pretty it's 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 pretty implausible to think like, oh, okay, I'm this guy. I've got this. I've got mm-hmm. you know this deep knowledge, and I know how to get these guys to like you know pull some sort of a uh, pull some sort of a, a tough heist of some right. sort. So my mark is going to be, you know, the vice president who yeah. is, you know, the second most protected political figure in the United States. And like, think of this though. Like I wanted to, you, how this film like stretches the beliv- be- believability a little bit. Yeah. So the, the Stanley cup finals is a best of seven tournament. Yeah. Which means that whichever team wins four wins. Yeah. The first one to four wins. Yeah. It's hard to predict if and when that ever happens. And this is the type of plan that I feel like takes like months, maybe even years to pull off. Yeah. But a game seven, you don't even know a game seven's happening until like a week prior to it happening yeah and and like and you know even with like you know those scenes in the beginning where hallmark is you know doing all the prep before the vice president arrives and so you know it's it's clear that like the staff of the stadium are like caught off guard by the Mm -hmm. fact that like the secret service has just been put in a place to like you know do all these extra security screenings and stuff like that so and uh, and there is a precedent of like presidents and vice presidents going to games yeah but but as far as I know, they usually go like to like the first game of the tournament, maybe like the second or third, like whenever they know that there's going to be a game and so that they can plan it with yeah. like in advance. But a, but a game seven is like so unpredictable. Yeah. So that's like really weird that they picked games. I guess like they wanted to have like the high stakes of sudden death game seven. Yeah. But uh, but it does stretch the imagination a little bit to to think that everyone just like planned for a game seven to happen. Yeah. Like it was, you know. Yeah. I, a I have to, yeah. I do have to say that I, I, I was, you know, I was kind of dreaming of a superior movie as well in terms of. Um, <laughs> well, not, you, you were know, not. 
10 year old enough that no i wasn't um but uh i was i was uh i was uh i i found it interesting that like you know this game is happening throughout the film mm-hmm. that like as as the as the action is unfolding, there is this game happening. And I wondered if there wasn't some potential there to, uh, to, to, to have more of a parallel between like how the game on the ice is progressing, um, uh, along with kind of how the conflict between mm. you know the good team and the bad team. No, that would have been that would have been good storytelling. Um, yeah, yeah, because like you know it's clear that you know the the, the band of terrorists really you know, matched the tension. Yeah, yeah, they they really have they really have everything on lockdown, especially and, because the the whole the the terrorists like the 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 bomb clock, so to speak is it's not an actual clock it's literally the, the game. game yeah exactly <laughs> when the game is over the bombs will go off yeah and 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 for him to be have the presence of mind also to be like cuz like that was a last minute shot but yeah. before the, the the clock went zero and for him to have the presence of mind to like not blow the building up before it goes into sudden death <laughs> yeah exactly for him to be like oh well the game's still going on so i guess i guess the, we're going to keep going yeah um uh, it, i guess i don't know maybe maybe there was a very specific end game that he had in mind mm-hmm. that like you know he would uh that when the game was over, he was just... I mean, I'm guessing probably the plan was that, like, you know, whether he got his money or not, he was right. probably just going to blow the building yeah. anyway or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so it was probably contingent on happening when the game ends. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, that was pretty silly. It's pretty fucking yeah. silly. Um, for, 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 a, for, a, for a heist to be that exquisitely planned <laughs> and yet have your timer not actually be a dependable timer. Right. Um, also, one last little piece of bullshit. Uh-huh. Um, you get, like, the scene where, like, all the terrorists are assembled around their table o guns uh-huh. before, before they embark for their mission. Mm-hmm. And the, they leave behind one single penguin with a bomb inside it and, and explode it timer for it and explode it for no fucking reason just to show i guess to show the audience what they're doing but yeah in in the in the context of the movie it doesn't really yeah. make sense yeah I, that i was puzzled by yeah um but now we know as the audience now we know what they're doing yeah i mean again it took me a moment to realize <laughs> that the bombs were in the penguins and not the popcorn but uh <laughs> You know, look. It's a system. It's a system. I, I, I need it hammered in. I need it hammered into my face. All right. So that, that wraps up our discussion of this movie. Final thoughts on sudden death. Do you think it was a bad movie, a so-so movie, a good movie, a great movie? What do you think, Ned? It was so-so. It was so-so. <laughs> it, like, I mean. You're I, not believing hard enough. <laughs> I want to believe. The truth is out there. Um, I think that I I do think it had potential. I mean, mm. the thing is, you know, the the diehard structure is, you know, it's a pretty solid action film structure. Right. Um, and uh, I think that the film, on its own merits, had some interesting ideas. Um, and it had a uh, it had a great villain. Um. And, uh, and certainly the set pieces themselves were enjoyable. Um, watching it get more ridiculous was fun in its own weird way, though, again, I was, I was groaning a little more than, like, laughing, mm-hmm. I would say. But, um, 
but yeah, ultimately I think it just, it cleaved much too hard to the, to trying to, you know, be another Die Hard in mm-hmm. a way is, is kind of how I feel. And I think that was to its detriment. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, how did you feel about it? Um, the movie is a so-so movie. Yeah. But it's also a great movie. <laughs> uh, it's ridiculous. It's over the top. If you want to just like watch like, you know, something that doesn't make any sense and it's just two hours of Jean-Claude Van Damme kicking ass, this is the type of movie that you want. You're all yeah. set. There are, are there better Van Damme movies? Yes, obviously there are better Van Damme movies. But where else are you going to have Jean-Claude Van Damme pretending to be John McClane for two hours? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I mean, if you want to watch a better movie, yes, watch Die Hard. Yeah. But if you want to watch a ridiculous movie, watch Sudden Death. Yeah. There's just I, something very fun about this movie, I think. And I mean, I know it's not a good movie. I'm not going to say that it's, I mean, I say great facetiously. It's nah. not, it's definitely a so-so film. But every time I see it, I still enjoy the shit out of it. I, I, can, I can respect that. I think um, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't wish on anyone that they necessarily saw this movie before they had a chance to see Die Hard first. I think you know yeah you 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 want to you want to see the you want to see the golden standard mm-hmm. first, and then uh, and then after that, like yeah, this is you know it's a little it's a little extra icing on that on that hearty Die Hard cake. Yeah, I'm gonna write a a, a, a Die Hard. Uh, type movie and uh it's gonna be about a postman or a, a mail carrier of some sort that's good yeah that's good the 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 usps needs some needs some fucking it's gonna be right called now. next day delivery nice <laughs> nice <laughs> coming your, soon your package has been rejected <laughs> boom <laughs> the bomb's in the package <laughs> it's a it's a Schwarzenegger movie obviously yeah. get down the bomb's in the package <laughs> <laughs> alright guys this was a blast thanks, thanks for watching Sudden Death with me Ned and talking about it happy to do it I hope you join me next time as we watch another movie and I hope you guys out there join us too we're gonna watch another ridiculous movie and until then go forth put on your skates get on that ice and watch some movies careful I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence you guys always bring me the very best violence no relationship no emotion. Just sex. Just sex. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just sex. You guys always bring the very best violence. Just sex. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Yes. You guys always bring the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just You guys always bring the very best violence. Yes. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just You guys always bring the very best violence.